This is Tall Boy Radio. Each week, your hosts, Beans, Gaz, and Andy, grab a beer and discuss whatever it is that's on our minds. We try to keep things uncomplicated. The premise for this podcast is as simple as we are. Not only can you listen to us at tallboyradio.com and on every podcast platform, you can also watch the video version on YouTube. Just search for Tall Boy Radio or click on the link on our website. If you have a story and want to feature on the show or just want to get in touch, drop us an email at mail at tallboyradio.com or leave us a comment on social media at Tallboy Radio on Twitter and Facebook and at Tallboy Radio Podcast on Instagram. Or you can leave us a message on the Anchor app, which we can play on the show. Right, the show is about to begin, so go grab yourself a cold one, kick back and enjoy. Welcome back to episode 116 of Tallboy Radio. Now we've got a couple of guests on tonight. We thought we'd better have him back on after we had him on, I think it was six episodes ago when he was visiting the UK. We probably didn't make a whole lot of sense that night. We might get into a little bit as to why, but we'll get him back on and he can talk us through his visit and tell us a little bit about that and a few things that we've done since then. So before I introduce our two guests, we'll say hello to the host. There is no guest tonight. No need to ring around A&E and check for any broken collarbones or COVID or anything like that. He is just on holiday in London, just couldn't make it. But Andy, do you want to say hello first? Hello. I went into autopilot today and made my missus a brew, so I made myself one. So I'll probably need to go to the toilet in a minute. But I do have a laugh as well. <laughs> Good man. Good man. Good man. And replacing Gaz is Dave, our guest host. Do you want to, do you want to say hello and tell us if you're drinking anything, dude? Yeah, hi folks. I I am drinking. I've got uh, Aunt Bessie's um, yes. Roly Poly. What'd you make of that one? I'll tell you. <laughs> it's God. There's a lot going on. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. I'll give you another verdict when I drank a bit more. And for when that when that disappears, I've got a good old Titans Plum Porter. Oh, good lad. Good lad. Good lad. So. The first guy I'm going to introduce is the guy sat next to me because he's not been on the podcast before. Probably heard a few stories that have involved his name. Here's my brother, John. So do you want to say hello, dude, and tell us a little bit about what it is that you're drinking? Okay, yeah. Hi, I'm John. Today, I've bought two beers that I haven't tried before. One is called Painted Black, which is a black IPA. I've never even heard of a black IPA either, actually, as well. So it's the first time trying one. I already sampled it. It's pretty nice. That's by Twisted Wheel Brew. And I've got one by Castles, which is a bit stronger double decker like, uh, for like, uh, I think that's about 8.2 this is 5 nice one nice. I, I had a twisted wheel one and it was the back to the future one that did 88 miles an hour that was a dip and I tell you what it was fantastic so Bo how are you doing well our viewers will remember him from the last time he was on do you want to try saying Louisiana for us dude before we get going New Orleans Louisiana he's <laughs> <laughs> okay we're good to go <laughs> Yeah, well, thanks for having me back on. I had quite a trip. Uh, I'm doing the Dos Equis like I normally do. Whenever you get over here, you can try it. It's a it's a nice light beer. You can drink it all day and not end up like we were last time. <laughs> yeah, we might. Well, I'll get into a few of those stories a little bit later, especially for Mr. Ryan. He's not going to get away Scott through with that one. So the beer I'm drinking tonight, I, myself and Andy have just been on holiday over to the East Coast in Lincolnshire, and I picked up a couple of beers while I was there. A brewery called Three Brothers. I've never heard of it. And it is a maple syrup and blueberry milk stout. Try it. Try it. It's a little bit thin. It's not really like a milk stout. It's not sweet like it should be. 
although there is a little bit of blueberry on the aftertaste and no real maple syrup which is a shame and then i have another one of theirs to try afters which is an imperial sticky toffee porter which is nine percent so that's a good strength our good friend john the geordie beer guy would tell us though if it's going to call it imperial it does need to be ten percent but nine percent we'll we'll forgive it it's pretty close so then what we wanted to do really we wanted to do this episode because when we did the podcast with bo last time it was right at the start of his trip. So, you know, he'd arrived on the Sunday and then we recorded the episode on the Tuesday. Got absolutely leathered and really didn't make an awful lot of sense come the end of the episode. So we wanted to get him back on and just just talk about a few of our experiences because it's the first time I'd met Bo. It's the first time that John had met him as well. So, you know, also, we, you know, we went on and we met my dad as well. So do you, do you want to tell us a little bit about the trip in general, dude, and, and, and how, it, how it was for you? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, it was a, it was a little rough getting in there. I, I, there was a storm that was out there. So we really didn't know if we were going to be able to get in or not. But luck has it that, you know, it was kind of on our side. You know, we, we landed in between 100-mile-an-hour gust of wind. That's what my brother, you know, kind of told me. So anyways, we, we, we got in there, spent a couple of days with him, took a train ride up to see you. And honestly, it, it seems like we've known each other for such a long time because we've talked for a while, you know, even though we haven't met. So very comfortable. Again, like I told my brother before that, you know, you make it easy. There's no pressure. There's nothing like that. So you make it easy to kind of, you know, for us to kind of get along. And then, you know, John coming over again, it was, I've heard so much about him. It was almost, it was almost as if I've met him before. Great trip. Went to a lot of nice places. As you can see, Edinburgh, we went up there and caught something. I don't know what it was. Maybe, (laughs) maybe, maybe it was down there in the dungeons we were in. I don't know. But you and I got pretty sick. I got, I got sick while I was there and you got sick afterwards. So, and met your dad. And that was an experience. I'm framing that picture of all three of us, you know, and putting that in my house. Yeah, the trip itself was was amazing, and it was a once in a lifetime deal. And uh, all of you made it so much easier and better for us. And uh, we, we we can't thank you enough. Oh no, it's, it was it was great having you. And like I say, the episode that we did that Tuesday, it was it was a lot of fun. You know, we had a real good laugh doing it. And it wasn't really until I started playing it back afterwards that I realised just how much we'd drunk and how badly that we were actually slurred in that episode. Did you get a chance to listen to it back, Dave? Have you listened to that one? I have listened to it, yeah, and and it, you you sound like you start like you've already had a few. <laughs> then there's like there's like a running dialogue on, on. Do you want another one? Do you want another? Yeah, we'll have another one. Shall we open? <laughs> yeah, we'll open this. You're not talking about a bottle of red. You're talking about another bottle of whiskey, and, and, and they just all keep going. Yeah, it, it was um, it was funny to listen to. I know. Well, well, see, Andy, Andy was drinking the proper twelve, which he brought, which is the Conor McGregor whiskey, which is a really good one if you've tried it. And he generously said, "Oh, you know, I'll leave the bottle here, dude. Have what's left in it." It was literally about about three fingers left in there. I was like, "Bo would have a shot of that," and Andy had drank the rest. And then left it in the car park, apparently. <laughs> left it in the car park on the way home. Yeah, I was hungry. <laughs> <laughs> I should have had more. Yeah, the yeah, seagulls like in that car park. Tequila. <laughs> Oh. Is it a bad pint? Good times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. Anything you stick whiskey makes it a bad pint, in my experience. So, so Bo, was when you were back at home out with your buddies, is that pretty similar for a night out? When, yeah. So when we 
we make sure that everybody can get a ride home. We don't, we, we can't get around like everybody in England. You know, we don't get around like that. John was even talking the night that we were drinking a lot. He was like, well, I'll just, I can just walk home. You know, it would have been a long walk, but he could still do it for us. If I was to walk it, we're talking about 20 miles, you know, walking through pastures and whatever. So we got to make sure when we're out drinking like that, that everybody can get back. We either got to take an Uber or some sort of ride share, or we do it at somebody's house. And when we get to drinking, we will get like that. And we usually have rides going home after that because, or they just pass out on the floor. So, um, <laughs> but that was actually, that was probably the most amount of whiskey I had dr- drank in a while and beer yeah. together. Cause I had, I don't know how many beers that day that I've never tasted before. So, <laughs> and then, you know, just mixing everything together. I would say that Adam and Gaz are, are in particular, and John, evidently, but Adam and Gaz in particular with me are pretty bad influences. I mean, I've only ever thrown up three times in my life from alcohol, and, and Gaz and Adam were present at two of those occasions. Uh, do, you yeah. tell, do you want to tell a story about the last one, Duke? Because I do love that story. Can't remember a thing about it. Yeah. Well, if I, if I remember correctly, your good lady, wife, who was a teacher, was she'd been doing exams, so she was marking GCSE scripts, I think, at the time, and you were out with us. And it was me, Gas, Sid, and your good self. And you started on the red one quite late on. Bar 55 had just opened, and they were giving away free shots. And, yeah, yeah. Dave, Dave picked an argument with the owner, saying, he, you know, he needed to do something about the back wall outside, which he has done, which I think by your own standards, you would say, based on that conversation, was unsatisfactory. Went home, puked up everywhere, and fell asleep face down in the lounge. You remember that far better than me. I, I was... I was yeah, I mean, that was, I mean, that to be fair, that was, first time was Gazzy's 21st birthday party. Second time was in the late 90s down in Chelmsford, and the third time was then about four years ago. Yeah, but um, that, I, I blame Sid, really. <laughs> yeah, he's not here to defend himself. Let's exactly. blame him. But it was, it was the free tequila, the beer, then the free tequilas, then the beer, and then I had a glass of wine, and then I nipped to the loo, and I came back, and I got another massive glass of wine, Followed by, right, we're going now. <laughs> Get it down, yeah. So I sort of necked it, and then God knows I got home, but it was it was messy. You know? <laughs> so whenever I say to the good wife, I'm going out for a beer with Adam and Gaz, it, it's, it's, I, I always get looked at as if to say, nah. <laughs> That's what we like. We've got to keep up that reputation. So we tried, we're talking of whiskies and things, though. we tried a few different whiskies when we were up in Scotland, didn't we, dude? But I think, and I do think the bar, when we first got there, we checked into the hotel, and you asked which whiskey did the, the bar lady would recommend. I think she stitched it up a little bit, didn't she? She picked up one with a very questionable taste. Yeah, so I, so my, you know, my, my wife, Chris, wanted to try a whiskey. And so I asked, I figure I'm going to go ask a female, hey, what kind of whiskey would you like? She goes, this is my favorite. And I don't even remember what she, what she picked. But when she poured it, I could smell it from behind the bar. It smelled like it was burnt, mm. like smoke. And I was like, whoa. So I put it there and I was like, she said, this is good. Chris started like tasting it. And, you know, she was like, whoa, you know, this is, there's a lot to it. Come to find out later on down the road that that's one of the, like the, for the smokeheads, that's one of the ones that, you know, that are really, really smoky. And I need to stay as far away from those as possible. Yeah, it was a rough one. Lafroig it was. Have you ever tried that one, dude? I'm not really into whiskey. Yeah. No, I, 
If I was about 14 years old, I'd sampled a bit too much in one go, and uh, I've not been able to revisit whiskey really since. <laughs> so, no, I don't really like it. I can, I can have it, interestingly, when I'm drunk. I can have it then, but no, I, I still don't enjoy it. We we tried one. We did the whiskey tasting tour as well up near the castle, didn't we? And I think we all agreed that the best whiskey there was actually, they were trying to sort of sell us the different malts. It was the Scots that they gave us first, that Hanky Bannister was an absolute gem, wasn't it? Yeah, so I, I guess it's just my taste buds or whatever. I'm used to the blended whiskeys a little better because I think people can control, they control, can, they can control the taste, really control it by, by blending all the whiskeys together and, and really having a certain kind. I'm not a single malt guy. I mean, there was a few of them that were okay, but that last one, I really think that they wanted us to to really love smoke tasting whiskey, and I just I can't. And I got sick right after that. Yeah, I was convinced I mean, that's what had done it. Yeah, <laughs> that's probably what got us sick. That's that had to be it. <laughs> it was. It was. It's a whiskey called Smokehead. And I tell you what, dude. Honestly, it was. It was raucous. Really, really raucous. You wouldn't have liked it. No. <laughs> I said the main purpose of the visit uh, was obviously to visit family. We visited Scotland. We'll probably come back to that a little little bit in a minute when we talk about a few delicacies that we tried up there. But do you want to tell us a little bit then about, because we went out and we got to meet my dad. We got him nailed down and we we went out on the Saturday, didn't we? And we met him over in, I can't remember where it was. I think it was Stone. And yeah, caught up with him. What was that experience like for you? Well, it was so, you know, we got there a little early and when, when your dad walked in, I'd seen pictures of him. So I was, I, I, I kind of knew who I was looking for, but I, I honestly think that without the pictures, I still would have known it was him because he looked like our grandfather. I mean, he, he just, he was so uncanny, just the resemblance that I would have just been able to go. That's him. If you lined him up with a hundred people, I would have, I would have picked him. I mean, it would have been, it wouldn't have been that, that, that hard. And you had mentioned that, um, that I was quiet. At yeah. the at, at the lunch, well, part of it was I was you know trying to compose myself from this whatever we picked up from Scotland, but the other part was I was staring at him. It was like looking into the past a little bit. So it was I had to kind of gather my composure a little bit, you know, because I because I told myself I wanted to make sure that that our conversations had substance to it, and and not just how's the weather, how's your trip, you know. I wanted it to really have some substance to it. So. It was it was a little eerie looking at him, you know. Luckily, with some prodding, we got to the meat and potatoes while I was there. <laughs> yeah, God bless Mary for doing that as well. Just just remind me, Ad, what what the the family tree how that looks. So my well, our granddad was based over here in the Second World War. That's where he met my grandma, and my dad is a product of that relationship. To keep it all scientific. And then our granddad then went back to the States. The idea was that my grand was hopefully going to go and join him. Her parents had intervened and didn't allow that to happen. And while he was obviously back in the States, he met somebody else and started another family out there. So Bo and I are cousins, but we share like just one grandparent, whereas obviously most cousins would share two. Okay, yeah, makes sense. And that's one of the things, because we talked about doing a DNA test. And when you actually look into DNA tests, when it comes to testing cousins, because there is only, was it 12%, you only share 12% of your DNA normally. And we obviously, we only share 6% of our DNA, theoretically. Still yet to be proven, but I, th- I think it's fairly conclusive. We'll find out. We'll get to that in a little bit. So, yeah, when you do a DNA, sort of a scientific DNA test for cousins, 
you would normally test uncles as well. So you would test my dad, and then you would test Bo's dad, who are sort of half brothers. And obviously, unfortunately, Bo's dad Walter is no longer with us anymore. So that that sort of one is off the table. So we've taken it into our own hands a little bit, haven't we, dude? And we've we've done a DNA test ourselves, which is a little less scientific, but should hopefully. Well, really, there's nothing there's nothing to to, to gain by doing it because we're fairly convinced that it's the case. So it's really, really, you know, only anything to lose, I, I guess. So these are these are the kits anyway. So I've got mine here. Obviously, I've sent it off. This is the empty box. I don't know if you can see that. So it's an Ancestry.com one. And what it is, it's called, it's a DNA activation kit with traits. And it, so obviously, if Native American were to turn upon mine, then there's really one explanation as to why it would be there. Because obviously... Bo's granddad was, I had granddad as well, I should say, Cherokee. So it's really the only reason it would be there. And also, when you do these kits, it will tell you, no matter how small the percentage, if there's anybody else on Ancestry.com who's done a DNA test that you are related to. So theoretically, Bo's got his in. I'm still waiting for the email to say that mine's been received. Mine's going to Ireland, obviously. Bo's is done in the States, probably Utah, I would imagine. Yeah, so it would should theoretically flag up that Bo obviously is on Ancestry.com and myself on there, that we are then related. So, yeah, and <laughs> when you do it, you basically you provide a spit sample and you have to, it says there, like, you, it's just, it's like, it's a quarter of a tablespoon. I felt like I had to produce a ladleful, you know. <laughs> How long does it take to get the results back? It's about, is it six to 12 weeks, something like that? Yeah, so mine, I, I think I sent mine off just a few days prior to you ordering yours. They've already extracted my DNA, so wow. they could. They're already in the. They're they have like seven thousand different points that they that they try to match you with on on the DNA. That's what they're doing now with mine. They said by April thirtieth, I should have some results. So the upside for for you and I, there's not a lot because we're trusting everything. I think into some people that work somewhere and that they get it right. Okay. Mm. And not only that, we're also trusting that the information is all right. Yeah. You know, so I, there's not a whole lot of upside, but like like my brother Jack said, if you have anything in there that you can't explain that comes from America, why would it? Why would you have it? You know, uh, there would be no other reason for, for you to have that. No, no, no. And to my knowledge, certainly from my mom's side of the family, are Welsh. And then my dad's side of the family, as far as I know, are all based in and around the Stoke-on-Trent area, literally for as long, for, for quite, you know, certainly for quite a long, long while. So anything certainly that turn up Native American, there's only one explanation. It could, it could be there. Funny enough, the big titty of the Titty and Charlie show, he did one of these tests, and obviously he believed he had uh, Indian ancestry, and it, it didn't, it didn't crop up on there. He was mainly Russian, Scottish, and Italian, but I think his his basis, his belief that he was. Native American was based on his general appearance, not on any sort of hair tell that he'd heard over, over the years. So, like I say, for us, there's really, really no other explanation as to why it had been there. Did you discuss it while you were over, Bo, that this is something you were both going to look to do? Yeah, so I didn't know if we were going to do this exactly, but see, I thought me and him could just, like, take a DNA test and they're like, oh, you're cousins. But that's just not how it works. This doesn't work that way. So when my brother said, hey, he, Adam just needs to do one. And it'll come up. If anything in, in America comes up in his DNA, it's there, you're going to have to explain that away somehow. Mm. So at the same time, I said, you know what? Let me do one as well. Because if, if he and I have anything 
that matches, I mean, that's pretty much going to solidify it, you know, which, which I, I don't see any other way that this can be anything other than what it is, you know, (laughs) unlike what, unlike what, you know, what your, what your dad, you know, your dad doesn't really believe in it. And I told him whether or not you believe it or not, I believe in it a hundred percent. Yeah. If you just traced around your heads on the wall, they'd probably line up. (laughs) (laughs) It, it might. <laughs> Mine's a little bigger. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but yeah, he's, uh, I mean, he's, you know, every, everything matches like it's like, like I think it, 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 it does. I'm not making, I'm not trying to, you know, fabricate a, a cousin in England, even though, you know, if I did, it would be Adam, you know, <laughs> but it, I, I'm, I'd never thought in a million years that this would be like where I'm at in my life, you know, 10 years, 11 years when me and he, when he finally, you know, reached out to me. Yeah. It's interesting. It is interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm not, it's one of those things when I, when, you know, when I was spitting into that test tube, A, it took me longer than I was expected. And, and B, I, I wasn't worried about it because I, I was pretty confident in everything that Manala told me and that every little bit of research it, it, that it added up when it only went in one direction. I've gone as far, I think I mentioned before on the podcast, that they're contacting the people who were the, the second closest fit and because there was another guy with exactly the same name with similar birthday. Actually, I think it was literally only a few weeks apart and had, had passed away around about a similar sort of time frame as well. However, when I contacted him, none of the names matched up. None of the other information matched up. He wasn't based over here in the UK at any point during the army, although he did fight in the Second World, in the Second World War. I think he was based in France. So yeah, it never it, it never really quite added up. So I was quite satisfied. Strangely enough, there's a guy called Ryan Barnett. I'm friends, still friends with him on Facebook. Track to him from time to time, see how he's doing. He's in, I think, uh, Georgia. I think he lives in Georgia way, or it might be Virginia way. I can't remember. But nonetheless, yeah. So I was, I was pretty convinced that the research, based on the stuff that my nan had told me, was accurate. And then, obviously, seeing Bo's reaction to when, you know, we'd met my dad, and he was wholeheartedly convinced. Like I, you know, I find it difficult to read because, like, first of all, he was quiet. And one thing, you know, your your brother Dave lives in America. Americans aren't quiet very often. <laughs> So we got into the car and I said like, well, you know, how was that? Because we after we left the pub, we went to his house for a little bit. And I said, how was that? And he said, that is the weirdest thing. That is the weirdest thing. It's like sitting down, watching my grandfather talk. And for some weird reason, he's speaking with a British accent. And yeah, he said like even down to the hands, because obviously he taught you to play guitar, didn't he? Yeah. So, I mean, I, he he taught my dad and my dad taught me. But I mean, I, I, I sat across from him playing guitars. I mean, that's the weirdest thing look at somebody's hands and go yeah those are the same hands but that's it's it's those little details that i remember you know so i mean i you know i was very i was i was i was in the marine corps when he died so i do those are the little things that i have in my head yeah so do the results come by email or by letter i think you get an email and then you log online and it tells you i can't remember yeah if you could live live on air live on a podcast well we're gonna we're gonna do another episode when we get those results, whichever way they pan out, we we think we know which way they'll go. But yeah, we're going to get Bo on for another episode. We're going to chat about that whole process in a little bit more detail, and just to see what else it says on there. To be honest with you, because he's going to he's going to tell us all sort of things about our past and our family lineage. You know, I imagine sort of the Celtic side will come across because of the Welsh. Which, you know, it's that, that I'm sure that should show a Celtic background. Which I, I don't think Andy needs to spit in the tube to tell him he's got Celtic background. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's a shame uh, Jerry Springer's still not going. <laughs> Jerry, Jerry. Yeah. Well, Jeremy Kyle. Oh, that one. <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking that. I'm thinking that. Like I said, then, going back then to the trip up to Scotland, dude, we tried, we tried a few of the, the culinary delights that Scotland has to offer as well. Have you ever had haggis, Dave? No, it, it, I'm not an awful person. So uh, I've heard I've heard other things said about you that were similar. I did pronounce that as best I could. Yes, yeah, so it doesn't appeal to me to me at all. I mean, I hate I hate absolutely hate um, kidneys and liver. My parents used to have it, and oh my god, the smell of it being cooked even now just turns my stomach. So haggis is not really going to do do me any favours. <laughs> what about yourself, dude? Yeah, I lived with a Scotch person when I was at uni. And they brought haggis back and uh, they cooked it. It took a long, long time to cook, I remember. Maybe it was because it was on some dodgy student stove. But, <laughs> um, yeah, when it came, we added loads of mayonnaise to it and chilli sauce, which they didn't appreciate. But, yeah, once we had done that, it was okay. You could, you could just about eat it, just about get down. <laughs> oh, God, that sounds awful. <laughs> it does. That wasn't. They weren't the condiments that were offered with it, if I remember correctly. <laughs> yeah, the, the haggis... I've, I, I don't I don't like organs. I don't like the organ meat very well. But there's a there's a thing called boudin. It comes from Louisiana, and it's basically it's got some of the organ meat and it's got rice and everything, and it's all chopped up very fine, and it's into a sausage, basically into a sausage. And I love that. And this reminded me a lot of it. And I could have I could ate more. I mean, it was for some reason. It, and and even you said that that it was probably the best you've had. So. I'm sure if I go to, you know, just some place down the road somewhere where somebody says they make haggis, it's probably not going to be that good. But what we had in Scotland was very good. I could I could eat that again for sure. Yeah, yeah it was. It was really good. And we, we had another Scottish delicacy as well, deep fried Mars bar. I could eat that. Deep fried Mars bar, <laughs> yeah. No, that was amazing. They were awesome. Honestly, dude, they were awesome. No, no, I don't see, I don't see the, uh, I don't know, they, they, They'll deep fry anything, won't they, in Scotland? I, I don't see the big attraction. <laughs> I don't see some. They're, they're amazing. He was, you both were sort of saying he sort of figured out the science behind it first, so they'd have to freeze them before they went into the deep fryer so that, to keep them sort of solidified. But, oh, my word, honestly, next level. I wait, I preferred that to the haggis. And funny enough, when we were up in, like, me and Andy, like, say, we're over in Lincolnshire, we were in, had the, the pleasure of being in Skegness for a day. And they had deep fried Mars bars in the, the chip shop that we went into as well, didn't they? Oh, yeah. I, I, I forgot about that because yeah. I raised Skegness out of my memory. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know for sure, but I think Morrissey's "Every Day Is Like Sunday" is written about Skegness. I could be wrong. <laughs> yeah, and this is the thing: seaside towns in Britain, no, certainly in the UK, anyway, they're a mixed bag, and it was underinvested, I would say. And so was Mablethorpe near where we stayed. The holiday was fantastic, and the kids absolutely loved it. But the towns themselves were well; they'd seen better days, and the clientele was in keeping with the, the place. Well, I don't know if Dave can remember going back many, many years ago. Do you remember Mr. Tomlinson? Me and yeah. Dave used to do a bit of gardening to earn a bit of extra cash many moons ago. I remember doing that. I can't remember Mr. Tomlinson. If you tell me where he lived, I might have known. Sunnyside, just off Dumbexfold, just behind the college. He had massive gardens. Yeah, I can't remember. But that's so we did a bit of work for him, and I bumped into him a couple of years ago in Tesco. And he had a daughter called Amber who was at primary school when we were doing this. 
but she's actually left now and basically thought she'd be struggling she was still there when she's 20 years old but um she's just released a book actually and it's like one of these coffee table kind of like books and it's british seaside towns in winter and she's gone and taken loads of different like pictures of these seaside towns when they're all run down when everything's closed and it's all empty and stuff but yeah that's what she's doing now so I thought you were going to say on page 27 was her dad's garden from 1992. Yeah, it was, yeah, circa 1992. Looking very nice too. Yeah, you, you and John drinking a can of skull there. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I do remember when we did do one garden, a slight tangent here, where we at, when we just first started to do it, we were quite professional. We had a little book and everything, didn't we? Yeah. We completely underestimated that job. We said, I, I could, we'd have it done in a day or something. We were there like four or five days over the holiday. Like yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, fortunately, he had sympathy in us, didn't he? And he paid us more. He did. I think we had said to him, oh, we'll do that for you for 50 quid or something. <laughs> About four days later, back-breaking work, it was, uh, <laughs> you got your 50 quid. <laughs> yeah, but he saw it, so. Lesson to learn. We learned a lesson, didn't we? We did, so. yeah. Did you? Well. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I learned a lesson. <laughs> Perfect. Don't work with John. <laughs> no, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We did loads of good stuff. We were honestly a hard graph, wasn't it, out there yeah, earning money? How wrong with it? No, nothing wrong at all. Kids of today, I tell you. Don't well, get me started. We chucked an advert, didn't we, in the post office or something? And then that was it. We just had as much work as we wanted. We had that. Yeah. Maybe that's once put an advert in the post yeah. office. It was <laughs> a very different ending, though. Listen to the previous episodes if you want to know that story. <laughs> So one of the other things that we did while up in Scotland, I'd, I'd like to get Dave and Andy and John's op- opinion on this one as well, what their thoughts are on the spiritual side of things. We did a ghost tour, didn't we? Yeah, so that was that was actually one of the things that we really had our sights set on. We wanted to, I don't know, we just wanted to do it. So somehow we got on that first night, I believe, you know, we just kind of, hey, we came in from out of town, you know, don't care if you're booked, we're coming with you. <laughs> one of those types of things so yeah that that you know there was a lot to that and i felt really weird when we got down below the ground you know i i, I don't i don't get real spooked in cemeteries or anything like that i could i could probably sleep in one if i had to it's no big deal but when i when we got below ground i that first room we were in i felt like i was gonna fall over like i felt like and, and i'm not saying the floor might not have been crooked but it it was i felt like i was gonna fall over and I didn't know what, where, where we were. He hadn't said anything. And I, apparently that room was found. And, you know, there's, you know, supposed to be some spirit in the corner or whatever. I don't know. But I felt like I was going to fall over. Like, I honestly felt like that room was going to tip me over. Yeah. It's not whiskey. That's <laughs> smoky <laughs> Could whiskey. Could be the whiskey. Could be the whiskey, yes. Well, this is it. If anyone knows the history of Edinburgh, obviously, there was a guy who extended his, I think he was looking at making his, his cellar a little bit bigger. And he knocked the wall through and found that there was a whole street behind where he was. And that street basically had been built over because if you're familiar with Edinburgh, it's built on a valley. So they sort of wind up the side of the hills. And as the years have gone by, as they kept building and building and building up, they're built over the top of the road. So literally, it was a covered road. And then it got blocked off and literally forgotten that it was ever there. There was a room at the bottom, which they believe used to be a nursery or a kindergarten. And, you know, they used to keep the kids in there. And the story being, obviously, this is the time of the plague. And if you ever, you know, any child that was in there was con- contracted the plague, that was it, game over. 
the rest of the kids all had to stay in there and it was boarded up. So it's got a spooky story. Now, that may or may not be true, but I'll be honest with you, it made me feel uncomfortable as well. But again, as we know, I'm more inclined to buy into those sort of things. So, Andy, I think we know yourself, but we'll ask you anyway. What was, what's your what's your opinion of the, the, the ghost world and the spookiness and stuff like that? I personally don't believe in it, but I think well, I think we discussed it. Like some people are more perspective, perceptive to it. I'm not, but maybe other people are. <laughs> uh, Dave, that's very diplomatic, Andy. I, I, I don't, I don't buy into it at all. I'm sure people, I'm sure there's people that genuinely like, like, like Gaz, for example, who um, you know think that they've seen things. Uh, and maybe in their brain, the chemicals are, you know, have made that happen. Whether there is actually something there that would be independently seen by anybody else or not, I don't think so. But I don't, I don't know if that means they don't exist just because other people don't see them. I mean, if your brain's telling you they're there, does that mean that's good enough? I don't know. Interesting. Interesting perspective. What about yourself, dude? No, I'm like the last two. I don't buy into it at all. Not at all. Um... I don't believe in ghosts and spirits and things. I can't, I haven't seen any evidence that would suggest even the slightest possibility of them existing. They all seem to stem from old tales and things and, you know, myths and legends and what have you. So, no, it's not something I believe in at all. You've never seen any ghoulies? I've seen a few ghoulies, but uh, <laughs> a few that scared me as well. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no. <laughs> See, I, I'm I'm on the fence here because I think there's there's too many people that have experienced something like that. Actually, Dave, that's a really interesting way of looking at it. Just because someone has experienced it and you don't, maybe it's that experience that makes it real, even if it isn't necessarily there. And I took I took a video. Maybe I'll I'll add it on to the end of of this if it allows me. I don't know what what format it's in. I'll stick it on the end of this the video version of this podcast if I can. But I did a video in the underground in that room that I talked about. Certainly, when I was doing it. I saw nothing there, but there was a little yellow sort of, for what of a bad word, orb-like thing floating around. And I didn't see it when I watched the video, but when I played it back, it was pretty clear to see. And we all felt pretty uncomfortable in that room, didn't we? Yeah, and 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 my wife was Chris was right behind you, and she was taking pictures. She probably took fifty pictures, like standing behind you, and that thing wasn't. You know, the thing wasn't there. You know, orbs to me aren't it's not proof of a, of a lot it's, it's proof that there might have been a light somewhere and you know so it, it it was weird how the one that you filmed moved because it wasn't connected with any light and it stopped and it started and it moved and it kind of went up and down at its own pace so that is that is rather rather weird to me but I'm more of a feeling guy you know I've I told you some of the stories about you know the house back in Mississippi yeah. Some of the things things that happened to me, I wasn't even drinking. <laughs> so <laughs> some things happened to me and 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 the cabin in Mississippi and the picture that I sent you before. I yeah. can't explain that. I can't explain those things. I don't. I don't know. I I know my eyes have seen things that it can't explain, and I don't know why. That's pretty much how I can you know explain things I don't explain I, 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 that I can't explain is I, I don't I don't know what's causing these things but I've seen things I've heard things I've felt things I've you know and I don't know what causes it you know I don't go in thinking something's going to happen to me you know or whatever and it just sometimes it does 
No, it's interesting though because see, I've actually done that ghost tour before. Now I don't know if I was necessarily in that part of the tunnels down there, but I never had any experience like that. I never felt uncomfortable, but that time, I, I did. I, I I did feel uneasy, and I can't really put my finger on what that was. And it was only when I watched that video back. Maybe that's why I, I put a little bit more weight behind it. I don't know. But off of the back of that tour, and to be honest with you, if you're ever in Edinburgh, I would I would heartily recommend you do one of those ghost tours because they're fantastic the guy who did it is brilliant obviously he's a little bit theatrical adds a little bit of theater to it as he goes around no doubt exaggerates a few of the stories for entertainment purposes but honestly he well, watches well, morrissey he watches morrissey yeah he had a, he had a touch of morrissey about him actually i did think that i thought this guy's this guy's familiar with the work of the smiths <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't say to you before you went into that room did he now where have you won Take your cameras out, do a bit of filming, take some photos. He didn't encourage you to do that, did he? He didn't. He didn't necessarily. No, he didn't. But you could you could take photographs at any point on the tour because most of it you're walking around the city of Edinburgh. And, and to be honest, everybody was taking photographs all the way around. He did say, however, that orbs had been spotted in there and that people had felt like the children pull, pulling at the coats, or whatever. So you you could say, you know, he's implanting that idea in your head that you're going to have an experience, but. You know, I've got two kids that are five and two. I'm used to getting tugged <laughs> when I'm when I'm least expecting it. Oh, I'm fast asleep, one gets hold of my nose or something. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And John's around second graders all day, so it, it, wouldn't, yeah. it wouldn't bother him. Yeah. He's brave having a beard of that length around me. <laughs> <laughs> Well, one of the things that they recommended while that while we're on there, and it probably wouldn't have been something. That I would have thought of doing it ever going to Edinburgh, but Chris was keen to do it, and that was the Museum of Surgery, wasn't it? Yeah, that was that was interesting because her daughter, my stepdaughter, is actually in medical school. She's uh, going to graduate next year, so we thought it was really just one of those things. Hey, let's go in there. You don't really realize until you hear the stories how much Scotland had to do with modern medicine. Uh, they they were like the 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 hub of modern medicine for and i don't know if they're still i mean they they might still be but going in there and seeing all of those specimens and every, it was it's amazing that people and the body snatchers you hear about the body snatchers and people selling bodies and everything like that that was all in scotland and of, of course you know you think oh my god how could somebody do that on the other hand i'm glad they did because i don't know if we'd be where we're at in medicine these days if not for those people doing what they did, you know, I'm not saying selling a body or, or digging up a grave is, is the right thing. But, you know, at the time they were trying to identify so much that was going on and that was the way to do it, you know? Yeah, it, it, it was. It was interesting. So uh, was it Burke and O'Hare with the two guys? I think they've made they've made a film about it, actually. Forget who was in it, but yeah, William, I know it made the, the guy's name. So William Burke, there is a book in that museum which is a notebook which is bound in human flesh. So it's bound William Burke, one of the grave robbers. There's a book there that is bound in human flesh. What what does that what does that remind you of when you or I say that phrase, book bound in human flesh? Evil Dad. It sounds like evil dad to me. Yeah, and I, I'm telling you now, I don't know if Sam Raimi's ever stood in that room, right? So I'd missed the book, I'll be honest. Like Chris had told me where it was. So I went back to view it. And as I turn around to face the cabinet opposite, right? There is a diagram of an eye. Right. detail red is it is it red ink or not well it what it wasn't it was in sort of a, a darkish ink and obviously it's very old and very faded but 
if you're familiar with the Book of the Dead from the Evil Dead, you flicking through the pages and there is that diagram of an eye. And I'm telling you, if that isn't the picture that's in there, it is really, really close. I'm convinced that Sam Raimi has set foot in that museum at some time because to have the book that's bound to human flesh and the diagrams, and literally, they're like that far apart. I'm, I'm almost certain of it. It was a little bizarre. You're familiar with Evil Dead, Dave? Is that zombies? No, close enough. Yeah. Ca- Candarian demons. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no, no. Great film, great film if you haven't seen it. Yeah. You, do you, do you find the Evil Dead films? Both? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're talking about not, like Night of Living Dead? Is that what you're talking about? No, e- Evil Dead. So it was the one with Bruce oh, Campbell. Evil Dead. Yeah. No. You failed as no. well, Bo. Oh, dear. Well, that's, that's your homework for tonight. Then watch that film because it's fantastic. It's fantastic. It's right. how the kids find it up, shall I? No, 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 no. <laughs> you, got any, you got any of those old letters I can borrow? Yeah, yeah, well, the letters off, off our nan, remember, we said yeah. it's a Silver Glade video. <laughs> like Bo says, the bodies that, that were taken from there, and they, they t- there's one story where there was a guy who'd recognised his own brother's head in the museum while it was on display and asked for it back, so I said, look, this is my brother's head, and I, I really think I should have this back, and then went and sold it on for surgical purposes. <laughs> just make some money off of it. And it obviously ended up back in there. But some of the things that you can see in there are deeply uncomfortable because basically if you think back in the day then, if you broke an arm and it ends up protruding out of the skin, that's it, it's game over. They couldn't fix it, they couldn't mm. put it back together then. So they lopped it off. And you will see that arm has been lopped off in a jar on display. Not a diagram of it. It wasn't that long ago though, was it? I mean, a lot well, of uh, like medical like, you know, no. advancements. It didn't take place that long ago. It's it's when you have a look back in times when before they were using anaesthetic and stuff. You're not you're not going that far in history. No, no, you're not. And it, and that's the thing. There was some some of the people it had diagrams of people with these horrible ailments, and then it explains the surgery that they'd had afterwards, and then had it like you say without any anaesthesia. And it must have been utterly horrific. But like I say, there was there was French. Uh, there was one of a French soldier who'd been. I think he'd been shot through the skull, hadn't they? And he had his skull on display. And then he went around the other side and then removed his face. Mm. So the actual guy's face was there on display with his moustache <laughs> and everything. It was yeah, utterly... I, I, I'm a bit squeamish, that sort of stuff. I'm a bit... Oh, yeah. Around anything like that, I'm just I'm just not very... It's all right on, on, on films, and it's weird, my brain kind of works. If it's a film, I just know it's not real, so it doesn't really matter. But if it's a documentary... Or a, a hospital scene with surgery, or, or, or an arm in a jar. I just wouldn't. I'm just not very good at that sort of stuff. It makes me want to just turn away. It's it, and the it, and the pure volume what mm. they had, the volume of what they had, four or five floors of line after line, just rows of all this stuff. It was the volume of it was was amazing to to see that they, that this was in a collection it, it really was you know it, it it really was like you say dave it was uncomfortable but it got to the point where you'd seen so much that it was then difficult to be shocked by the next thing that yeah. you'd seen but it's the same slightly different but it's the same when i went to amsterdam <laughs> and we went to the uh, sex museum yeah first you walk in and you're like oh well oh well right so you go and then once you've seen, once you've about the 150th picture, nah, and even you go to the toilet and they've got them all up in there, it's, yeah, you become desensitised. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I have been to that museum as well. I, yeah. I, I never, I never put the two in conjunction. No. <laughs> <laughs> Although they did have some of those seven parts in there, if you want yes, to look at that sort of thing. The right section, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> so, so pretty short. We did also see a, a much better collection than that as well, didn't we? The whiskey collection. Yeah, that was pretty amazing. Those are some of my best pictures that I have on my phone. Uh, the 3,400 or so bottles of whiskey in a, in a private collection, never been opened. They're just they're just on display. And, you know, me and Chris were talking and, and Adam, we were all talking. that We feel like it's a waste if you're not going to drink it. Now, who's to say that this, you know, millionaire, billionaire didn't buy two bottles and drank one and put one away? You know, so but it was it was it was it was a lot. It was a it was a lot to see. I mean, I, I wouldn't even know where to begin with a lot of those whiskeys. Uh, you know, thirty four hundred bottles of just Scottish whiskey. That that's was right. just the Scottish whiskey. Yep. Yeah, that's just right. Yeah, that's right. And it was in that room actually that we made a very interesting discovery that I regret telling the wife because, like I've said, I think when I had you on the last time, I'd, I'd love to. You've talked before, and you'd love to move to the states. Oh, yeah, we both talked about it. Probably, like we said, we both looked through it through rose-tinted spectacles. But I've, all, I've for years been trying to convince Kim that that would be a great way to go. But to describe one of the whiskies in that we were trying in there as tasting like marzipan. Yeah. So <laughs> there was a guy in right. front of us. The guy in front of us, I think, was from New York State. And he was like, What's marzipan? He obviously I didn't say it in that accent, but you know. <laughs> and then and then Bo chimed up as well after was like, Yeah, what well, is marzipan? I've never heard of it. You're not missing anything. Oh, it's a bit you lost cake. <laughs> that, that's probably the only reason why uh Kim's not gonna make it out. I mean, we have plenty of land. You guys can build right next to us. No problem. But yeah, cool. she's not coming over because there's no Mars band. There's we'll I don't even band would you, yeah, you'd have to get somebody John, somebody, Ryan, Andy, I, someone's got to send it because there's I don't know where you would get it here. Uh, I don't even I couldn't even begin. I'm sure somebody's got it, but it would, you know, it's going to be so few and far between. It, it you just can't go to the store and get it. It can't be that hard to make. I mean, it's literally just almonds and grit. So uh, I think you'll be all right. I think yeah. the grit is the almonds. I think I'll be all right. <laughs> but, but also, I do you, like it. Though, I do like. You can't let that that stop you. I mean, my my, my brother Adam may have mentioned that my brother lives in America, and when they come over, they bring suitcases that are are pretty much empty, <laughs> and they go back with you know chocolate and oat cakes and all sorts of stuff that you just can't get in America. So, you know, a suitcase full of marzipan is going to last last quite a while. <laughs> yeah, it it will. I mean, but just to show you on what level we're talking about, I brought whiskey over there and I came back with whiskey. So <laughs> the important stuff is right here. <laughs> and that, that is the last bottle of Double Trouble whiskey as well. It's never getting made yeah. again. So I'm holding on to this for your trip. So it doesn't matter how long it takes, the double trouble blended scotch whiskey is going to be with me. So we'll crack this open when you get when you get over here. Nice, 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 nice. Look forward to that. And the Pandaren as well. So obviously we went to Conway for the day, so I bought a bottle of Welsh whiskey as well to take back. And that is, that is a, that's a really good whiskey, that one as well. And have you, have you, have you opened that one yet? No, and, and I'm looking at it right now. I have it in here. Actually, we're moving out to the land, uh, our land here in a, probably at the end of this month. But I, we're gathering alcohol for my bar. Like I'm, I, I want to have an eccentric display of whiskeys and everything else, even if I don't drink them. 
people will think that I'm, you know, very educated in whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair play, fair play. Well, when we come out, I found another whiskey I, I, I really like, an Irish whiskey as well, called the Pogues. So if you're familiar with the band, the Pogues? No, no I don't. Oh, well, they, they, they've created a whiskey, and I'll tell you what, out of it is it's phenomenal. It's actually them that created it. Probably not. No, I, I can't see Shane McGowan's really no. like to that. They drink it all. Yeah, they drink it all. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah that's it. Milk and meth. <laughs> I let you sweat and bottled it. <laughs> no, dude. No, come on now. <laughs> so while we're on the subject of food, one of the things that Bo brought us over as well is this cookbook as well. So I'm willing to bet this is probably the only one that's in the UK. And if there's another, then I'd be very, very surprised. So this cookbook is it's compiled in, in Poth in Texas, which is where Bo lives, and by all the students. And it has got a whole load of American recipes in there. And I've done a couple from there. I have done a couple from there. And it, I'll tell you what, dude, it's pretty good. So I did I did a Best in the West barbecue bee bait, and I've done a Western Mac as well. So thank you to Eleanor Rudolph and Annie Prusky for putting those recipes in the book, because I tell you what, I really, really enjoyed them. And Matilda in particular absolutely wolfed it down, especially when we said this is the kind of food we're going to be eating when we go and visit Bo and Chris in Texas, because I tell you what, she's really missing Chris. Those two really hit it off, didn't they? Oh yeah, that that was that was something else. And that and that cookbook right there, you can't buy that anywhere. I mean that that was like a fundraiser that they had for Chris's kids when they were back in school. So these are these are people who grew up here, uh, grandmothers handing down recipes to other grandmothers. And they put it in the book. So this is this is about as good as you can get when oh, it comes amazing. to there's hundreds to, in you know, as well. Oh, oh there's so the much. Yes. Yeah. And 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 a lot of it I mean and we do realize that there's some stuff in there that you may not have the all the ingredients to. So we're actually gonna go look through ours, it's just like yours, and find some recipes that we like and look at the ingredients and whatever we know you're not gonna be able to get, we're gonna send to you so you can make it. Yeah, I've, I've had a look at this through some of the desserts. Marzipan does not feature. <laughs> no, it's nowhere. No. But yeah, it is. Honestly, yeah, it, it is fantastic. Like I say, Matilda's loving loving the food that I've been cooking out of there. Absolutely amazing. So we're rocking up to round about the hour mark now. Is there anything else you wanted to share with us, Bo, before we, we, we talk about a few other things? No, uh, we're getting settled back. It seems like it was a year ago I was out there, but literally it's been like six weeks, and that's you know, it hasn't it hasn't been that long. So getting back into work and getting things settled down, and you know, just kind of getting back into a routine. It's very easy to get out of it when you're spending ten days eating and drinking. So no, was it plenty first, of that. Was it your first trip to the UK, bro? That was my first trip. Yeah, I've, I've never been over there, and I saw so much. It seemed like things. Things didn't go my way on the trip getting out there, but once I got there, everything seemed to work out. I mean, it just, even on the last time, last day when I went to visit my brother, on, when he picked me up at the air, we, we spent the day in London. And I promise you, we saw everything. And he said, this is probably the most beautiful day London's going to see this year. Everybody was out. Everybody was sitting around, not a cloud in the sky, you know, 70 degrees. And just everything, every, it was, it was so nice just to be out there and see everything and, you know, just happen to take a left turn and end up by this and take a right turn and end up by there. And it was just, it was amazing. So I, we literally got, got to do everything that, that we could have possibly asked for. 
So setting setting aside Adam and the family, just thinking about the UK, how did it measure up to what what you if you had expectations? I mean, did you do you think it was going to be anything like what it was? Did it did it meet your expectations? Exceed it? Yeah, I think it exceeded it. The people that you know you hear so much about, you know, don't you know Americans are loud and 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 you know. Uh, you know, people over in the UK are really quiet and they don't want to talk to you or whatever. We didn't have that experience. We had a whole different experience. So maybe it was just because, you know, I was looking for, I wasn't looking for those types of things, but everybody was very nice, very helpful with us. The food was really good. Now, granted, you know, we ate all sorts of food, but it was all, it was all very good. And not only that, it was the, it was the getting around that me and my wife really talked about we really wish that we can hop on a train for an hour and a half and be somewhere else, you know, just like completely different, but you can't do that here. We're not connected like that. So the walking and the hopping on a train and just being everywhere was very nice. It was, it was nice to know that everybody's so well connected and it just seemed like everybody was happy just to be having a beer and talking with one another outside and Americans just don't do that enough. Yeah, well, my bro- my brother lives in a little village called Antioch in Illinois, and we first went over there. We were hiring a car, and I said, "Well, where's the car hire places? You can't get there. You can't walk there. It's too far away, and there's no footpaths." So, it, what you said earlier about walking home from the pub, you have to get in a car to go and pick up your hire car. It's all very, very it's just it's so big, isn't it? Everything's just so big. Yeah, and, and I thought about that too because on my way to work, and I think about it every morning. Uh, when I go to work, our the smallest road that I'm on is a is a four lane road, and then it goes to eight lanes when I'm in the city, and you know eight lanes you know four on each side, and that's just everywhere in the city. And I didn't see any of that in 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 England. It was you know everybody's on like you know two lane roads you know here and there wherever, and we just trucks and those kind of things they wouldn't fit down those roads. I I, I couldn't buy. <laughs> I couldn't buy an F-250 and get around, you know, anywhere, really. You wouldn't get in any of our multi-story car parks, that's for sure. No, no, no. Somebody would tell, be towing me off, for sure. <laughs> that's that's one of the things you said, didn't you, when you, when you popped into our estate. It was like, I couldn't drive my truck around here. I'd be taking up the whole road. <laughs> yeah, I would, be, I would be everywhere. But the fact that you can get around everywhere and that you walk everywhere, there's, you know, there's something to be said about that. It really, I think it connects people better. And yeah. and that's that's something we don't have here. Yeah, it's it's interesting that it's not. We said actually, we take it for granted actually a little bit how fortunate we are, you know, that we could walk out to the pub and you know the pub we walked out to the Horseshoe, mm. which is Lawton Heath End. So it's technically the next village along, but it literally, you know, it's for us it's 10, 15, 20, well, probably 20, 25 minute walk with the kids bumbling along with us. But yeah, we we probably take that a little bit for granted. And like you said about the trains, three hours and you're in, you know, you've gone from from all sides. You're in you're in the capital of Scotland, and you know we we wanted to take you. You know when you said when when we said we were going to go to Edinburgh, obviously we were going to go down to London. So we had to go to Wales as well. So we went to England, Scotland, Wales in the same trip. So obviously we went to Conway as well to visit the castle there, and that was a cracking day out there as well. We had pretty good weather as it turned out. Yeah, it's pretty good for you guys. For us, it was nightmare. <laughs> uh, we, uh, I've never, I've never, uh, I've never owned a scarf until I had. To. <laughs> I, I was, I was pretty, I was pretty, pretty cold. But uh, it was good. It, I mean, the walking kind of 
fixes some of that for you, you know. So I've never worn a a beanie cap as much as I ever have, you know, <laughs> out there. But it was it, it's wonderful. I mean, right now it's ninety four degrees here. So Gee, boys. It, that's that's the last thing we're looking for is you know beanie caps right now. I bet, yeah, but and you got to see some snow in in Edinburgh as well, didn't we? Yeah, so it was it was just enough for us to see footprints. But yeah, that's that's a lot. I mean, for Texas, that's 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 a lot. I mean, for us, the people up in North Texas get some snow. We're not getting snow here in you know San Antonio area. Not 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 unless it's there's some freak weather event. Fair play, fair play. Well, a couple of things that we need to share out then at the end of this podcast is as well. First of all, our Guinness World Record has finally been confirmed. Guinness has gotten onto it. 25 months later, we have set a new record, 5,513 doubles hit in the space of 24 hours. It's officially a Guinness World Record. Whether that will feature in the book at some point or not, we don't know, but we're very, very excited to have it. I've ordered mine for the wall to go alongside the other one. And we have one organised for later in the year as well. I mean, myself and Gas had that trip up to Scotland in September last year. We visited the Disability Darts and we decided after that that we wanted to do something and um, we spoke with with big gray gazzy's dad and he's organized some funding and they're going to do some work in radway getting a disabled toilet put in there we've spoken with jed mcphee who designs the flexi boards you know we're going to pay for some of those to be put in and actually get the place kitted out so you can actually have a disabled darts tournament in there and big gray's got all got himself all fired up about organizing one in there you know big gray well don't you <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so he's he's got himself all fired up in there, and he's and he's we're going to get some kind of tournament organised for disabled darts players, whether it be whether they get to play against sort of able body guys as well, you know, really have that feel of inclusivity about it. We don't know what it's going to look like yet, but we're going to do a fundraiser for that, and I'm really really looking forward to that. So that's going to be September, October, probably this year, and that's going to be most trebles hit in 24 hours. And Guinness confirmed that now they've got back to us and they've accepted the terms that we've put forward. And they've set us a target at three and a half thousand. I'm pretty confident we're going to smash that. If we get five and a half thousand doubles, would you say a treble's easier to hit than double? I would say so. I'd Even say though it's a smaller, little yeah, little yeah, yeah but you're, you're far more used to to, to zoning on those. No, I'm yeah. going to be piling in five and one. This was two and two. No, that's it. So I'm I'm pretty confident. Yeah, I'm pretty confident that we can get that done. Yeah, exciting, exciting times. And I also wanted to say hello to country number forty six. Qatar, we're now in 46 countries. The people of Qatar have embraced the Tallboy Radio experience. So thank you to you guys. Really, really appreciate that. So yeah, 46 countries. That's pretty special, isn't it, Andy? Thanks to that one person doing the world tour. <laughs> yeah, we do, we do have the satirics, just one personal travel in the world listen to, to, to Tallboy Radio, but we'll take it. And then we do have some exciting news to come. Now, we're not going to announce it this week because it's yet to be finalised. But we have got a... We're going to be brand ambassadors for a company, so we'll be able to offer a discount to our listeners. Unfortunately, Bo, only based in the UK, but we will get some ordered and we'll send you send you a package of the stuff out there for you to try as well. But yeah, that's been confirmed. I've been emailing back and forth today, and that is ultimately going to happen. Probably next week we'll be able to announce it because it should be finalised, but we'll be able to give you a discount code for 20% off some fantastic products that are available now and it will be a fantastic snacking product to go with your beer. So it'll sit well with what we do. So we are at the hour mark now. Who would like to say their goodbyes first? 
John Boy, do you want to say goodbye and tell us how much you enjoyed the Tall Boy Radio experience? Yeah, very nice. Very nice. Well, I do watch it. And so um, I did think that when I heard Bo was going to be coming on, I thought, well, that's another one to watch. And I've definitely got to catch it. So it was nice, actually, to come on and be able to say hello instead of just watching you come on as well. So, yeah, very nice. So thank you for having me on, yeah. No, pleasure, dude. Pleasure. We'll have you on again. Dave? Yeah, yeah. Thanks. Great to, to meet you, Bo, after uh, um, 10 years. <laughs> And the jam roly poly far too sweet for me. Oh, dude. I mean, I drank it. It wasn't like the uh, Duchess where I tip away. I drank it, but it's far too sweet for me. But the plum port is very nice. Yeah, plum port is phenomenal. I like, I like, quite like that. that but yeah, I've got it. I've got a, I've got, I think, three of those to have on the podcast at a later date. So I'll, I'll give you my opinion there. But just as a little bit of a tip, I really quite like it. <laughs> <laughs> Bo? Yeah, well, I appreciate it. Um, I was looking forward to this all week. So hopefully we'll get back on after this ancestry thing gets done and be able to, you know, talk about that a little bit. But yeah, everything was great. The trip was great. Today was great. So just looking forward to next time. Appreciate you guys. No, no worries. And like like Bo says, we'll definitely have have you back on when we get the results from that because A, it's going to throw a few curveballs that I'm not expecting and probably Bo's not expecting because there's bits of your family tree that is almost impossible to trace that's hidden away and locked away in your deoxyribonucleic acid. Does that sound about right? Roughly. Yeah. Spot on that. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Andy? That's been good. It's, it's good to join the ride of, you know, hearing about your family and the heritage and stuff. And it's good to speak with John and Dave and Bo. And I get to drink on a Tuesday night. <laughs> good man, good man. But yeah, and thank you, thank you guys for, for indulging us. So that just leaves it for me to wrap it up. One, one last thing as well. I just want to say thank you to John Boy, who's brought me. Like I said before, like I said my favourite beer is a beer called Till of the Hem, but I'm far too tight to pay for it because it's really expensive beer. But John... My brother has kindly brought this with me, you know, whether it be as a thank you for having him on the podcast, I don't know. Take note, Dave, keep that one in mind for next time you're on. But yeah, absolute, absolute cracker of a beer. So I've had this on the podcast before, so I always drink a different beer every time. So I'm going to savour this at some point this week. Probably go sit in the hot tub and drink it. But yeah, what an absolute beautiful beer. So thank you very much for bringing me that one, dude. And that just leaves it for them to wrap it up. Great to have Bo on, like I say, won't be the last time. We'll definitely have him on again when we do the DNA test. We'll probably have him on again as well if we talk. We're gonna, we plan on doing a podcast about the paranormal as well because it's something I'm interested in. It's something Gaz is, is interested in. And like Bo said, he sent me a picture and we've, we've not really got into the, the crux of that one. It is a very, very unusual picture. So we'll bring that up at a later episode. So it just remains to me to say thank you very much for listening, especially if you're listening in Qatar. Thank you, thank you very much. And we'll see you again next time. Take care.